Good afternoon. Hope you're having an awesome Erev Shabbos. So as is our Friday custom, let's share one of the thousands of relevant messages from this week's Torah portion that you and I can apply to our everyday lives. This week's Parsha being Parshas Yisro. So let me tell you about last week. Last week, our family was blessed with two wonderful guests for Shabbos dinner, both of whom are not Jewish and are interested in Geras and conversion. One of them, she's just starting to seriously inquire, and the other one, she's much further along in the process. Now, I always find it so fascinating, or more appropriately, inspiring. You know, it's hard to imagine what it's like to make that decision. And personally, I'm always curious in life to know the why. So with the one who was much more along the path, I asked her why, and she shared with us part of her journey. But there was one moment that really stuck out. It was the moment she had stepped into a synagogue somewhere way across the ocean when the chazan started davening. There was something so moving. She didn't understand the language, the words, but the emotion, the tone, and the passion. It just deeply touched her in the depths of her soul like nothing ever before. And so the journey started. And when I heard that, I realized that this story that I just heard last Friday night is the exact story of this week's Parsha from over 3,200 years ago. See, this week's Parsha, the one where the Ten Commandments are given, has a name. Now, if one were to say that the portion that deals with the most important moment in all of Jewish history is going to have naming rights, whose name would you expect to see? Maybe God's name himself or Moshe, but I'll tell you one name you would not expect. Yisro, the non-Jewish father-in-law of Moshe. So all the commentaries ask, what's up with that? How did he get the headliner for the Ten Commandment Parsha? So Rashi points out that if you listen carefully to the way the portion starts, it says as follows. Vayishma Yisro, that Yisro heard, and because of what he heard, Vayovo Yisro, Elo Midbar Har Elokim, that Yisro picked up his entire life and routine, heads for the desert to the mountain where God was going to give the Torah, where the whole show was about to go down. Now the question is asked, what exactly was it? that Yisro heard that inspired him to leave his comfort zone and travel to the barren desert to receive, learn, and live the Torah. After all, we're told that Yisro was not simply a Pasha Goy, a simple non-Jew. He was deeply immersed, well-versed in world religions, and he was a high-ranking priest himself. So how could he leave it all behind and start this new chapter of life? So the sages, such as Rashi and others, fill in some suggested ideas. Maybe it was when he was watching CNN, he saw the splitting of the sea miracle, or heard about the plagues and the escape of the Jews, or how this little Jewish army of ex-slaves had God on their side to be able to beat the mighty Amalek fighting machine. Either which way, there was something miraculous that he saw, heard, and felt that just caused him to make the move. But the question still stands. Why does the Torah itself write in the text? tell us exactly what it was that he did see or hear, but it doesn't do that. So as with everything in Judaism, there is a reason. So why doesn't it? Well, because as we've said many times before, the goal of Torah is not to understand our past. It's to learn from our past in order to understand our future. The next step that we need to make to see what is the message that is so relevant to you and to me. So it's as follows. Often in life, We hear something, learn something, feel something, think something, hear a story, meet a person, and we are inspired. Something deep in our neshama and our souls moved, and we experience a moment that clearly causes us to feel both a clarity and a conviction for growth. However, more often than not, 
The danger is that the inspiration comes suddenly, but just as fast, it goes and fades away. Maybe we think of it fondly and reminisce and say, oh, remember that day, time, idea, person, story, but just treat it like it's part of our past with no implication on our present or future. See, the greatness of Yisro was he heard about something miraculous, he felt inspired, and as a result, he did something about it. He acted on it. He didn't just turn the channel and go back to who he was. See, Yisro merited to have the receiving of the Torah in his Parsha because the key to receiving Torah is to get and feel inspired as we all have those moments where we do, but then step two is to do something with it. Yisro taught us how to do that. So back to our original question, why doesn't the Torah tell us specifically what it was that inspired him to make that move? The answer is because it doesn't matter what inspired him. What inspired him might not be what inspires you or me. We aren't learning from Yisro what inspired him. We're learning from him how, when we are inspired, to do something because of it. This is one of the most important things to remember in life and sadly where most times we fumble the ball. We have all been inspired multiple times. For one person, it's an amazing story of a great Jewish leader or a great teacher. For another, it's a deeply profound insight. For another, it's watching someone do something that is so amazing. It might even be an idea that we've shared on this podcast over the past couple of years. When that happens, the key is to be a Yisro, to take that moment of inspiration, that gift, and then to do something with it. That was the greatness of Yisro 3,200 years ago. That was the greatness of this wonderful young lady at our table seven days ago. And that could and should be your greatness, my greatness, our greatness. Next time we feel that inspiration move us. And on that note, wishing you an awesome Shabbos. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow.